I've never had that. I'm watching. We clap at the numbers and stuff, and it goes like 26, 20, and then 27 like froze, and then it suddenly went 28, 29, and it was just like <laughs> what, what? No, I've never seen it on like this weird time website. That's not how time works. That's not how any of this works. Real life, it's a glitch in the matrix. <laughs> matrix is out tomorrow. Wait, already? I thought it yeah, comes yeah. out like next year. No, no, it's on HBO Max and I think theaters tomorrow. Fuck, like Spider-Man was supposed to come out. It's already out, but like... Yeah, Spider-Man came out last weekend. What am I missing? So there's Dune, Spider-Man, Matrix? Is I mean, Fuck. there's the the Kingsman prequel, which I'm interested in, but... I kind of want to see it. I, I haven't yeah. seen the other Kingsman one, though, but... Jesus, time, like... Yeah, end of the year, there's really piling on all the stuff. Like, usually I would think it's like summer is the big time and all, but like, what happened? Christmas? Yeah, yeah. Like, they they always release movies around Christmas for like holiday sales because everyone's on vacation and has time to go to the movies. Ah, uh, man, it's just, okay. Yeah, it feels so weird. And like, there's a Sonic 2 movie? Yeah, that's in April, I think, so. Okay. Uh, th- this year has been nice because like, there has been a lot of movie releases on streaming as well as theaters. So like it was sort of balanced. I didn't have to go to the theaters. I think I saw two movies in theaters. I saw Fast 9 and Shang-Chi were the only movies I saw in theaters this year. But next year, they're probably going to go to more back to more just theaters and less streaming stuff, which is going to suck. Yeah, but like those four movies that I kind of mentioned, I kind of wanted to see all of those in theaters. But like, yeah, it is. I still feel weird. I know I've seen two things in theaters, but I don't remember what they were. I might have been only one movie, actually. No, you saw Fast 9 with me. So in the theaters. Yeah. And then you. I think you said you saw Quiet Place 2, didn't you? I did. Oh, yeah. Because it was I knew that the other movie I saw in theaters was like not a typical me movie kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure like we both went to see Fast 9. It was in that lull where everyone was starting to get vaccinated and it was getting better. But before Delta hit and then Delta sort of made me and you and a bunch of other people sort of shrink back from doing things again. And then I just felt like I was getting over Delta. And now like in the past week, I've started to get that anxiety of like Omicron. Uh, Yeah, Omicron. Omicron. Fucking Transformer. (laughs) <laughs> it's uh it's not gonna be fun uh like apparently new york city broke its records oh, of yeah. like people with cases due to omicron this past week so like christmas is gonna fuck people up all those people that went and saw spider-man in theaters like <sighs> good luck i mean yeah uh it's and it was weird when you said like pre-Delta and I was like, wait, there was a time before Delta? Mm-hmm. Like time is just fucked up. Yeah, time's really gotten fucked up. We're gonna get we're going on two years of this. March yeah. is coming along coming real fast. That's where I was like, Sonic 2 is like it sort of was the end cap. What if now this is fantasy, but like if it all ended by the time Sonic 2 came out? I'm going to blame Sonic 1 and Sonic 2 as like the bookends of COVID and it's just going to be a weird like that's fucked up. You know, honestly, that would be a relief if if COVID like was finally dealt with and it was like safe enough to just get back to regular life by April of next year. Like I would sign for that up only four more months of this crap. Like, yeah, if that if that was the case, I would go and see Sonic 2 at theaters with you then. Yeah, but we'll, we'll see. I don't know. I feel like we we have we owe it to the podcast to see Sonic Two together, but we may have to delay it depending we on how to, the like, world We need to like do better things like. for our fans. Like really, Sonic Two is the movie. Sonic One and Sonic Two is what we saw for the fans. Like, I mean, uh, what what else is there? Oh yeah, this is a gaming podcast. <laughs> I was like, why the fuck are we seeing Sonic? Oh yeah, gaming. Yeah, come on. Like, if you want to start a movie podcast. We can do that too, but no, this is the Games Network, baby. It's a gamer. We're here. It's a gamer. This makes no fucking sense, but we're doing it anyway. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Make Me a Gamer, the procedurally generated podcast that's a roguelike for your ears. I'm your host, Atma, and I'm here with... Harvey Z. 
in the place to be. And we're back. This is the end of 2021. So you know what that means. It's time for the, uh, well, I thought about it. I wasn't sure. But then I decided, you know what, I like the name. So we're going to stick with it. So welcome to the 2021 Manatees. I was curious. I mean, it, it's one, but Manatees, it's, it's got branding. Mm-hmm. Like, who else is yeah, out there? Yeah, like- I'm not going to switch it up at this point. Like, I, I think I, I, I like it. They they have like a good feel, you know, mm-hmm. it's it's what we do now before <laughs> we get to the manatees. Um, we are real quick going to do the uh, Nintendo switch in review. They uh-huh. they were every year they release this like uh, end of year sort of like here's what you played and what was game you played the most and for how long and that sort of thing. And Harvey was looking at his right before we started recording here, so we figured we'd compare stats a little bit and just sort of... uh... Wait, wait, compare? Oh, God. (laughs) All right, fine. Well, it was your idea. Yeah, I didn't think I would have to compare. Okay, it's it's not a comparison. Yeah. This is a a gamer checkup, you know? It's sort of like a... Let's see how Harvey's been doing in the Make Me a Gamer portion of the Make Me a Gamer podcast. Like, how successful have I been? Uh, All right. I know the answers to that. but (laughs) And it does actually, it's interesting because this happened during our podcast. It says, like, the very first screen is, like, when did you first start playing your Nintendo Switch? Apparently Uh for me, it was September 21st, 2019. So it's been That was day one? Day one was three, two years ago? Yeah, two yeah. years. Yeah, my my first day with the Switch was October thirtieth, twenty seventeen. Okay, so yeah, you got two years on me, so you know. Yep. That's why this these stats would be what they are for the <laughs> yeah. year in review. Yeah, even though it's the year in review, it's, it's because I'm I f- in de- I'm in development. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, how many play- games did you play this year? If you had to guess, what would you think? Um, I'll give you I'm a hint. Go- it's single digits. Okay, I was going to say 10, so... I can give you last year's stats for those. Last year, I apparently played six games. Wow. Did you increase? I mean, you got to guess. I'm going to guess seven. I, I you think are you, correct. I played I think you went seven up. games. I went up by one. <laughs> you know what? That I consider that a win. You went up by one. That's enough for me. Okay. Yeah, you want, you want to compare yourself to me? No, but you can just show off. Oh, no, you. okay. Oh, no. Yeah, how... Yeah. Actually, I'm curious, how many do you think I played? How many did you play last year? 41. Jesus, what the fuck are you doing with your life? <laughs> um, I'm going to say it actually went down. I'm going to say 33. You you are, you are correct. It went down. You didn't go down enough. I played 30 even. I mean, that's pretty close. Yeah, for, yeah. Yeah. Okay. You, so who's the gamer now? <laughs> it is a... What what would that be? It's a six to seven, so that's a sixteen percent increase. I don't know. That's math. Yeah. Well, it's it's almost it's a fourth, so it's like a twenty five percent decrease for me. I don't know. Yeah, like you're you've peaked apparently. I'm I'm on the rise. All right. So here, what's your hour total then? Yes. (laughs) Do you? I'll give. Well, no, it's it it's pretty bad. Like, mm-hmm. I, I feel like you probably logged more hours probably this year than both of my years combined. <laughs> I would I would say yes. I, I'm absolutely confident in that. You're I not will getting... give you this, though. Last year, apparently last year, I played 123 hours. Nice. That, I feel like that's a respectable score. Yeah, no, that that's that's decent. 123. I think you're in double digits, though, this year. I am in double digits this year. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so I played a total of 33 hours this year. Wow. You, you really only dipped your toe in your games this year, huh? I played more games and I will say a lot of those 33 hours was your stupid game that you got me. (laughs) I definitely played that thing, but like, yeah, I was surprised actually. I thought I would game more, but like, this is like just a day and a little bit, but I, 
I felt like I gamed more times, but perhaps I was gaming for shorter periods, like an hour at a time or so. You more, you, you treated your Switch a little more poop gamey than. Yeah. Like last year, you had like your Breath of the Wild weekend sessions and oh, that sort of thing. Oh, that's right. Where like I would play for like a day. Yeah. And we had discussions on that. So I, I guess <laughs> I improved in. I wasn't as addicted. But, you know, you also. Anyway. What was your uh, numbers? What, so so last year, my number was 615 hours. Jesus. Again, like, it's right, so, so much. I, I 600? Be, yeah. Like, so, because you have other gaming systems. Yeah. You play and other things, too. We have to get to the game of the year, so we're not going to dwell yeah. too much on this fact. But I want you, also want you to keep in mind that we're going we're gonna to hit the stat soon or next or whatever. But, like, I play almost like exclusively in handheld mode and i play while i'm like watching tv or with my girlfriend or whatever like that's true these hours are not always exclusively gaming and they are the the runtime can be padded a little bit because i'll leave it running if i like you know have to get up and do something while i'm watching tv or like it'll sit sit on the table for like 20 minutes or and this happens very regularly and you know so it is a little it's I, I just want to be sort of give the the perspective that I'm not like singly yeah. focused on just switch gaming for 600 hours of my life. <laughs> I was about to say that's uh, what I thought of cuz my 33 there's nothing I'm doing besides gaming for those 33. Right. Yeah. I don't even um, like pooping with my switch actually, but that's yeah. a whole well, separate thing. <laughs> uh so so this year I dropped uh okay. not as uh, I don't. I don't know. It's about about the same percentage, maybe. I don't know. Uh, but I hit four hundred eighty-eight this year. Okay. Okay. That's respectable. <laughs> so, uh, what was your most played game? You could. You probably know the answer to this. Uh, the most played game is Disco Elysium: The Final Cut for fifteen hours. Nice. I'm almost this- half of my thirty-three was Disco Elysium. That's good. I'm. I'm glad you spent that much time with it. I, I'm, I, that means you have you finished it? I have not actually. I'm, okay. That's I sort of fall into this where I fell out of the game and I just haven't gotten back into it. So yeah. Yeah. So just as just as a heads up, like my playthrough was about twenty hours. So you're only about oh. five hours from the finish line. Okay. Um. Well, you might be a little more because you take a little more time to explore things and you have a mm-hmm. different method to your madness, but. My playthrough was about 20 hours. I actually wouldn't mind that. 20 to 25 hours probably, like a day's yeah. worth of a game. That's a good-sized game. Yeah. Also annoyed that it points out, your stupid game, always sometimes monster, three hours. Mm. It was number three. <laughs> what was number two? Other side for eight hours, which oh, nice. I definitely play that a lot more, but it plays like 30 minutes at a time. So I'm guessing Breath of the Wild was your last year. 50 hours last year. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So that's that's good. So mine, surprising no one, my most played game was Slay the Spire on uh, Oh, Switch. yeah. I mean, I play that too, but that means I played it less than three hours? Wow. Yeah. yeah. Like, Ooh. I, so I played 262 hours of Slay the Spire. <laughs> so basically over half my Switch time is on Slay the Spire. And that's okay. what I play during while I'm watching TV because Slay the Spire is, you don't have to focus on it. Like... Mm-hmm. I don't play plot heavy stuff while I'm watching TV because when I'm watching TV, I want to focus on like the story and characters and stuff. But Slay the Spire is just, you know, a card game. Mm-hmm. And so my second place was Monster Hunter Rise with 80 hours. Okay. Um, and my third place is Shin Megami Tensei 5 with 30 hours. Did and, you beat uh, Shin Megami Tensei? Uh, no, not yet. I'm about halfway through it. It's, it's, okay. a, it's a longer RPG. Got it. Um, and last year, again, surprising no one, last year uh, was uh, Animal Crossing was my most played game. And I played it for a uh, little over 200 hours. Okay. Do we want to go over the month stuff? What What was your m- most activity month? It was uh, only two months were double digits. And ah. so that's interesting for my 33. But October had 13, which is when I got Disco Elysium. And then uh-huh. I could tell like November had two. So it just spilled over. That's the full 15 hours. And uh-huh. then August had 10, which is probably when I had other side. Gotcha. And then June was when you gave me that stupid three hour. game. <laughs> it's right there. I can see it. Yeah. My my high was April. 
Uh, I had 74 hours played in April. Hmm. Um, and then May was 66. So those were the two highest. So I guess April, May was when I was focused the most on the Switch. That that was Monster Hunter time. So that makes sense, I think. Okay. My, my mo- most active day was Saturday, May 1st, when I played Monster Hunter Rise for seven hours. Okay, that's. I was curious, like, how long have you gamed for in a single day? So, seven hours? Mm hmm. For me, it was Monday, October 25th, and I played four hours of Disco Elysium. Yeah, that's good. I, I'm, again, that's, that's about, that's good for Disco Elysium. Yeah, and that means four hours I didn't do anything else. So, it was just, yeah, <laughs> fair enough. Yeah. So, here, here's the key one for me. In modes, I've played 29 hours in docked. And 459 hours in handheld. So, like, ah. so tw- I, I spent 29 hours focused on Switch and nothing else. Like, that was when I was, like, sitting at, at, a, at in a chair or on the sofa with the, the Switch controller in my hands and watching it on TV. Mm-hmm. So. Got it. For me, I have a Switch, the handheld, so it's all 33 were handheld. Mm-hmm. And I think that's uh, all of Yeah, things. I think that's the, all the important stuff. Yeah. All right. But um, a year in review. So that was our that was our switch. So we need to get you. Uh, our goal will be eight games next year, and maybe get that hour content back up a little bit. See, I got to focus on one or the other. Maybe just focus on the hours rather than the numbers of games. I don't know. I, we'll, we'll we'll see. I have a few games I need to beat, so that's where yeah. I feel like I'm a completionist. I need to do that. All right. So let's. Roll right into the game of the year manatees. So last year we had like categories and stuff, but this year's been weird. And instead of doing categories, we're just gonna do a standard. Uh, we've got we've each got four sort of runners up slash you know top five where we'll have the game of the year and then four others, right? Okay, I have a top five and a runner up honorable mention. Oh, I, I mean, I have an honorable... I can pull out an honorable mention out of my ass, too, so... <laughs> like, um, I actually ranked mine in a list of one through five. I, I haven't done my official ranking yet, but I do know what my top five are. Okay, got it. Um, So why don't we start with you? Give me one of yours. Or do you want to start with the honorable mention? The honorable mention, uh, interestingly enough, the honorable mention was Shadows of New York, the Vampires the Masquerade game that you got me. Oh, it, cool. I really liked it. It was the first time I played like a book RPG type of like story mode thing. And it was just the right amount of time. Perfect. Awesome. Uh, yeah, we, we had a, a podcast on that a little bit back uh, somewhere back this year. You can find it. You've probably listened to it already. I don't need to advertise our own podcast. But why um, not? <laughs> well, they're already listening to it if they're hearing me ramble right now. So I don't need to. Anyway, I'm getting off topic. Uh, so. I think my honorable mention will actually go to Monster Hunter Rise. Like, it wasn't in my top five, mm-hmm. but it was a really solid game that I unexpectedly, unexpectedly, yeah, that's that's right. I didn't mispronounce that. Yeah. I unexpectedly had a lot of fun with it. Uh, I I played Monster Hunter World on PS4. That was my first Monster Hunter, and I like I, I it was okay. It wasn't great. I didn't really like it. Um, mm-hmm. I played for like, I played it for a little bit, but didn't really get hugely into it. But this one really, really got me. Like it, it added a bunch of movement stuff, so it felt a lot better to get around the world. And like they added a dog that you can ride, and the weapon that I chose for this time around, it felt a lot better to use than the one I had previously. Because uh, the pre in world, I chose a weapon that specifically had movement capabilities because the movement sucked otherwise but they added a bunch of cool stuff in rise that lets you get around a lot faster and so i was able to experiment with weapons and find one i really liked and it has a really cool multiplayer uh shout out to my friends matt and julian and don we uh got a a four person like hunting party together several times for for monster hunter rise and uh going around killing things and having a blast together so that that was my honorable mention probably my second favorite multiplayer experience of the year too so is your first multiplayer on the list yes okay 
Because I was like, you can't leave us with that sort of a thing. <laughs> All right. So let's get into your top five. You, you've got them ranked. So got them ranked. So I can go with number five right now. And some of these games you've kind of heard or probably because I apparently only play a few games. Other <laughs> Side makes it to number five. Cool. Other Side I'm was a game. I'm surprised it was, it's the number five. I thought it would be higher. The list is interesting, actually. I was thinking about it. But Other Side gets number five. It's Four and five were very close together. That's why um, it's apparently a French game. And it was recommended to me, or actually, I should say, gifted to me by Professor Q. Uh, and I really like it. It's a tactical, cool, artsy game. And it's I'm noticing a pattern with all these games, minus like one, that I can play it for a short time at like in intervals, which really appeals to me, it seems like. I haven't beaten it. I'm still like, I think I just beat chapter one when I stopped playing it for a while. So I need to get back into it. There's probably at least two, three, four chapters. So it's definitely one that I want to go back to. Gotcha. Cool. I'm looking forward to seeing your thoughts on it as you get further. Like, cause it sounded very interesting from what you, when you talked about it on the podcast and mm -hmm. I'm, I'm looking forward to more updates if you ever get around to playing it some more. I will try to do so. I think the other um, games will also be games that I'm going to try to beat first, but yep. <laughs> well, it's number five. You know, you get yep. to it after you get to the rest of them, right? Um, okay, so first, not like top five, this is not in any order for me personally. Mm -hmm. Like the, the four that I mentioned before my game of the year are still top five, but this isn't ordered yet. Uh, but so the first, first one in the top five is uh, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. Oh, okay. Yeah, so this was uh, the the PS5 showcase for me, like the main thing that I was really glad that I got a PS5 for. You know, it's, it's kind of been a sort of slow year between COVID and chip shortages and everything. There haven't been a huge amount of new next-gen games for the PS5 yet, but Rift Apart was worth it. I platinum trophied it. I love Ratchet & Clank. It had great weapons. It had a great story. It added Rivet. Um, we talked about her in our, mm, our furry yeah. podcast. And yeah, it, it was just a blast. It, it, the graphics were amazing. You know, it's it was a nice, it, it was like a comfort food game. You know, like Ratchet and Clank for me, it's never going to be like, oh my God, this is like my game of the year. Like this was better than everything else. But like, it, it's like, it's just one of my comfort genres and comfort uh series that's like oh yeah yeah it's out again i'm gonna play it and i'm gonna like it and it's gonna be good it's gonna make my top five and uh because it it, i know you love ratchet and clank so yeah and i gotta remember this is not ranked for you mm -hmm. i've got to i've still got to sort the the ranks because mm -hmm. e everything that's not my top game is <laughs> they're all close like it's gonna yeah. be hard to sort them this year got it and then my number four yep so for my, on the ranking one, this might be a little bit of a surprise because I don't talk about it as much, but Mario plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle is my number four. I, hey, I uh -huh. yeah, I'm, I'm glad you actually got around to playing it because we like, I had it forever. Yeah. Yeah. We like dicked around in the multiplayer back when we could actually visit each other in person. Mm -hmm. uh, and for I kicked your ass. Bit. Yeah. Yeah. You did. Yeah. You finally got around to the single player, huh? I finally got around to single player and I discovered like, I really like it. I ended up getting it for my sibling as well, thinking that there was more multiplayer stuff and we just haven't had COVID kind of happened. And so we've just mm -hmm. never used that part, but like it's to the point where I know there's a sequel coming out and I kind of want to beat this game before. Like, I think it's called Mario plus rabbits spark of hope sparks yeah. of hope. Yeah. And it's again, another tactical RPG type of game that, it's not too difficult. I just enjoy it, though. It's really fun. Yeah, the the rabid characters, like the rabid Mario characters, are hilarious. I love them. Like mm -hmm. it's it's a solid game overall, both in like gameplay and its humor and everything. But yeah, cool. My number four. All right, so my next game is uh, Persona Five Strikers. I'm not sure if I talked about this one on the podcast or not. It's It was back in February when I played it. So, you know, time is fuzzy. I don't remember exactly everything we went into. I don't think we talked about it like as a, on the podcast, like as a whole thing. It might have been like a brief, like five minute sort of thing. 
Like, gotcha. oh, you're playing it. But I don't like I st- you've told me, I think, the persona of what it is of like mm-hmm. there's emotional like demons and friendship and social relationships <laughs> in like high school. Yeah. So like so Persona 5 is a straightforward sort of JRPG. You're right. And there's like social links and you, you know, you talk, you hang out with your classmates in addition to killing bad guys and all that sort of stuff. Persona 5 Strikers is a direct sequel, uh, which doesn't happen very often. It's, it's, and it's one of the reasons that it ranked high, so highly for me is that like a lot of JRPG anthologies like Persona, Final Fantasy, uh, Tales uh, games, they have new characters every iteration. You know, like Final Fantasy VIII and Final Fantasy IX are separate universes, separate stories. And so when you get a sequel that actually like moves forward the characters and you get to spend time with them again, it's a it's really like rare occurrence. And so Strikers not only did that and I got to spend more time with a bunch of characters that I adore, but it also changed up the gameplay. Like there weren't any social linky type stuff in this one and the gameplay was more action focused. So it played more like an action RPG than um a straightforward turn-based rpg and interesting so i i think it was fantastic i love the way they implemented the the rpg into like the maso setting so like everything blended very nicely it felt like persona still the music was fantastic uh the story was great all the new characters felt like they were a part of the universe and i don't know i really liked it a lot uh, it was my game of the year for like three fourths of the year. Like oh. no, nothing really came close to this until we got to, you know, September, October. So, but yeah, it's, it's definitely up there. Okay. And I will go with then my number three. Mm-hmm. At number three for me, Disco Elysium. So, Mm, I was Ooh. hoping it would be higher. I hope I was hoping it would be your game of the year, but I, uh, I wonder if our game of the years are similar actually. But like <laughs> the disco, this is where I was like, I was thinking that you might put it at one or two. This was a surprise to me. I had to think about it. Disco Elysium falls into the middle in number three. I really enjoy it. There's it's familiar yet different from games I play in the sense of like, there is this D&D dice rolling chance element to it that I really like. There's a strong narrative element that I like to it. It's not super action heavy and it's very storybook. Mm-hmm. And I'm enjoying all of those things. But it, it's just not one or two in that sort of a sense of that's why it, it's great on all these reasons and why I put it at number three. But it just is missing a little 10% to get it to like gotcha. position two or position one where I'm like, I got to complete it. Like. Disco Elysium, there was a time where I got super invested and I was like, I got to beat the game. But then I sort of got distracted. And this is a big thing for me. I get distracted from games and then I leave them be. And if that happens, I kind of say, well, if there's a game that when I played it, I was like, I got to complete it. It should take a higher spot to me. Right. Yeah, I get you. But otherwise, fantastic game. I'm looking at it (laughs) apparently like 10 out of 10 on the Metacritic stuff and GameSpot. Like all these games so far, 90% or more have liked it on like the google surveys and stuff like that so i'm like these are all great games but yeah also none of these have been released this year <laughs> oh cool i'm I'm glad you uh i'm glad you liked it i, I understand that you like sit it, it doesn't like make game of the year material since you didn't like feel compelled to finish it and obviously it was my game of the year two years ago mm-hmm. um how how does it hold up on switch by the way i am curious like performance wise so Performance wise, in the beginning, that was the first part where I had frustrations with it because it will randomly start to fuck up Mm -hmm. and you can tell it's coming because the sound gets a little bit weird and then it'll lead to where basically it'll reset itself. Gotcha. And that happened to me once before I started saving and I lost a bunch of the game, which turned me off for like a day. And then I went back to it and then I've just had to more frequently save like... If I start to notice the sound is fucking up, I'll save because I know then in the next like 15, 20 minutes, if I didn't save or something, it'll re- it'll fuck up and I'll lose it. Gotcha. So there, but that's only happened like three, four times since I started noticing it. But that was something that is a, it was a turnoff in the beginning. 
So I don't know how it is on other systems, but yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. I didn't have any problems with it on PC that w- I was thinking about getting it again on switch. There were like basically two things that I was curious about, like the performance wise. And then also like the text boxes, because like, I remember on PC, they were kind of small. So I'm not sure how they translate to on a handheld. Like, is it was it easy to read everything? Because there's a lot of text. There's a lot of text. It's pretty easy to read. It's never really weird. Only like once or time will I get like a white background kind of close to something. But like, otherwise, no, it hasn't been a problem in that sense. But I mean, it's a switch. So I do bring it closer and I don't necessarily wear glasses and stuff, but I'm nearsighted a little bit. So, okay. Um, so my next game that is in my top five is Inscription. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. So this was the game that I thought was on Mac and I wanted to get you to play, but it turns out it wasn't. And <laughs> so I'm going to keep my review of it vague again, because I really want you to play it unspoiled. Um, I, I've only heard good things and I try to keep myself unspoiled on this one. Yeah. Yeah, like I, the well, here's what I'll say: the game is a combination of deck building and an escape room, uh-huh. and it goes places. Like you think you know what's going to happen, but you have you're you're wrong. Like just straight out the gate, if you if you think you know where this is going to go, you don't, and it's just it's. The atmosphere is fantastic. There's so much I want to talk about on this podcast because I love it so much and it is so good. And I know you especially will like it because you like deck building and Magic the Gathering and Mm -hmm. those sorts of things. And I think anyone who has any even slight interest in those sorts of things should try this game. There's a demo on it on Steam if you have a PC like a normal person, you should be able to play it. It was originally like website said it was going to be for Mac and Linux too, but it doesn't exist like that anymore. So I'm hoping eventually there will be an update and you can play it and then I can talk about it a little more freely on here. But This might yeah. be like my game of the year in 2022 or 2023. Just yeah. Like Disco Elysium. <laughs> just wait two years. Yeah, just wait for it to show up somewhere else and then you can play it. But yeah, I... I'm trying my very best to to keep you unspoiled and keep anyone who hasn't played it unspoiled because you should just play it and experience it because it's one of those games where you just you get it, you play it and you're like holy shit. I understand why people didn't want to spoil me on it. So. Okay. Do you think it'll come out on Switch maybe before a Mac? Um, I don't know. Or it do you will, feel like we'll it see. needs a PC type of thing like a mouse. Um, it doesn't it it doesn't need a PC in that sense. So it is possible it could come to Switch. Okay. I don't know. We'll see. All right. So what's your runner-up? So my runner-up, which will then tell you my number one, but my mm-hmm. runner-up is a game called Fort Triumph. It All right. May- I am curious about this because you mentioned this game to me. I have no idea what it is. Like, this is, this is a game you found that I don't even know, like, where I'd you got it from. This- I've had it on my Steam list for a while as like a game that I was interested in. I don't recall like if I would because I know exactly who would play this game, which is Professor Q. And I'm checking now on Steam. I don't think Professor Q has it. So Professor Q needs to go out and buy Fort Triumph right now (laughs) whenever they are listening to this podcast Um, because it's specifically them that would enjoy this. And as soon as they start playing it, they'll. Thank me later. You're welcome. Uh, So Fort (laughs) Triumph, it's described as a fantasy turn-based tactics game. Surprise, surprise. Like I'm noticing now, like three out of the four have been this. It is the key thing with that. And it it feels sort of XCOM-y in its like basic mechanics. There's four types of heroes that you play and it's a medieval fantasy type of game. But the thing that really hooked me and why it's it beats actually Disco Elysium. It's not a huge campaign and stuff. I'm already in the third act, which seems to be the final act. I don't, did you ever play, it's called Heroes of Might and Magic? Oh yeah, I love that game. The Heroes of Might and Magic 3 specifically. Specifically Heroes of Might and Magic 3 is one of my favorite games of all time. Yeah, Professor Q got me into that. 
as did he me and i used to play with him on multiplayer all the fucking time hot seat style like yeah in yeah college, i remember i think play. we 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 did that too like the three of us i think at one point did hot seat yeah and so this list, this game was on my Steam game and I'd or on my Steam list and I'd forgotten about it. And then I was like, oh, it's on sale, fifty percent off or something. Let me pick it up. And it was like twenty bucks or less or so. So I grabbed it and I'm playing it. I knew nothing about it at that point, other than past me really liked it. It is a love letter to Heroes of Might and Magic three, specifically three. And then the fight mechanics where in Heroes of Might and Magic was a weird tactical overlay. Imagine if you took that out and you replaced it with like XCOM 1 mechanics. Oh, wow. So, I mean, it's simple. It's not like super complicated. Like X, That's why I said XCOM 1, not like XCOM 2 where you have like complex stuff. There's four types of characters. Basically, you have the fighter, the wizard, the archer, ranger type, and then you have like a barbarian. But there is skill trees, so you can customize your characters and such. You can kind of pick like specialized sort of things. And then the overlay of the map itself is a tactical and the unique twist for Fort Triumph is like you get extra skill points if you can use like knockbacks and like use your environment and stuff to like add extra damage or chain moves together, like kick somebody to knock them back while someone is on overwatch and you can hit them with an arrow and kick them at the same time. Like you get bonuses for those sorts of things, but the bigger game, like the, like, so that's when you have combat when you're not in combat, I'm just playing this and I'm like, did the people who make heroes of might and magic, it is heroes of might and magic three, just with updated graphics, a new storyline that's very witty and kind of pokes its, fun at like the tactical rpg genre and stuff very tongue-in-cheek genre savvy and it's it's just a lot of nostalgic fun for me like i really really enjoy it and i played it on there's an iron man mode and i started playing and i got my ass kicked and i had to restart (laughs) and for me i was like i appreciate this i don't want to make it to normal difficulty i'm gonna play it at a harder difficulty and it took me like like a couple tries on just the first mission before i figured out the mechanics and now i'm perfectly fine and i kind of have over leveled up my guys i love it so fucking much you get a base inside of your base you can build different units and you can build different things to get your heroes more pumped up there's all these like it's a love letter that's why i say the only way i can describe it is heroes of might and magic 3 but with the XCOM like tactics mechanics for combat i fully recommend this game i I will probably beat it by the end of the year that uh that's a ringing endorsement for me. Like that sounds great. I've never heard of this before, but I'm that's going on my wish list now. I'm going to yeah. when I've got a chance to play it, I'll definitely pick that up cuz that sounds really cool. Like solo mode this is why I'm excited cuz I'm like the solo missions and stuff I've been playing I've already I've only been playing it for a week and I'm in act 3 and about to beat it kind of thing or at a good point, but I'm like the part of Heroes of Might and Magic 3 that got to me was there's a hot seat mode in this game. And so there's a part of me that wants to like, like I introduced my sibling to the Heroes of Might and Magic. They call it the horsey game because you run around with a horse on the big screen. And like, we used to play that forever. I want to bring this game to them and be like, let's play this hot seat and like, just have fun with it where you just play on a skirmish with like a giant map and you run around, you can pick up items, you can go to places, make choices and get luck, get speed for the next battle, those sorts of things, collect resource. It's, I love it so much. And I was completely, I wasn't expecting it when I picked it up, but I guess at some point I must have read it or so, but it was on my list of Steam games. Yeah. Full recommendations. Awesome. Yeah. No, I, I sounds, sounds great. I'm, did it co- just come out this year or is this a, <laughs> no. a game? So this one apparently came out April 26, 2018 and the developer oh. was Cookie Bite Entertainment. Okay. All right. It is well, on Switch and other systems as well, not just Steam. It is on Windows, PC. I was about to say, oh, for you PC users, you can find <laughs> it too. Uh, who is Cookie Bite? I've not heard of them. Okay, they've made two games, Fort Triumph and The Bundle of Wonders. Okay. Well, I've never heard they're, of that. They're one a either. small burgeoning developer, I guess. Okay. Well, my last one before my game of the year. I think is also your game of the year, which is that's why what I was I, wondering. Was I it a nominee and such? Or yeah, like it? I didn't, I didn't want to say it because I know both of us were going to talk about it, mm-hmm. and I didn't want to say it early and then give it away or whatever. But like, we can sort of combine here because um, this is oh, my last, my last top five. 
is not, not your game of the year. It's not my game of the year, but it is the, it is in my top five. So then, this is my game of the year. It is most likely Wildermyth. Wildermyth. Yeah. Ah, love this game. Yeah. Also, yeah. another character-driven, procedurally generated <laughs> tactical RPG. Yeah, like we've co-opted this game several times. We've played through at least, I think, one Half. campaign, maybe two. Two um, of the four or five campaigns, I think. The only reason we can't unlock one is because of the save function thing. Yeah, yeah we we passworded the the file, and now we can't remember what we set the password to, so we can't get back <laughs> into it. But, but the uh, worst part is it's a stupid inside joke of a Harvey Z sort of thing. Yeah, it's absolutely an inside joke. And we probably if we go through enough permutations and just sit down and really think, we could probably brute force crack it. But I don't know. But, we haven't because had the time that's the to only that part yet. of the campaign I haven't beaten. Yeah. And so yeah. Otherwise this is another completest game for me. Yeah. Like uh. you know, you get to make your own characters, which is why, you know, both of us love XCOM to a degree. Mm-hmm. Every story has its own stories within it. Like every time you fight a villain or go into a battle, there's like a little story sequence and they're randomized and there's plenty of them. Like I have seen repeated ones, but not only do they not repeat that often, but, you know, each repeated thing has multiple options to it. Like they, they never go the same way twice if you don't want them to. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is like chance to them as well. Like, you know, I think one time there, there, there's one encounter where like we have to steal an egg from a bird. Right. And mm-hmm. I think our first playthrough, we successfully stole the, the egg. And but the most recent playthrough, when it came up, the, the person was clumsy and dropped the egg and changed the outcome. It's I know when we talk about like XCOM and I've talked about the appeal of it is like, oh, I have these characters and I build a story around them. This game sort of listened to that very well because the characters you have, because of these little cutscene things and choices you make before each battle, you get a story of why this is happening and why this is meaningful. And then afterwards, there's a little follow through. And I so it personalizes each and every character. And then the fact that even when you beat like a campaign, it's like, oh, which of your characters would you like to advance? And they might show up in future episodes and stuff as like heroes. And I love that. It just it keeps it alive in a universe in and of itself. Yeah, the, all the legacy characters are really cool. It's it's awesome how like like a person who might be like a minor character in one story then shows up in another one and ends up becoming a major character. You know, and it it feels very interconnected and interwoven and just sort of like, oh, yeah, this is what they were doing when, you know, everything else was hunky dory during this other story. Like it amuses me the first time we played through, like I made my character Harvey Z was there. And then in the first campaign, in the first episode of us playing together, Harvey Z gets his face blown off (laughs) and like. For the rest of the fucking games now, when he's in my other games and stuff, I'll be playing with new characters. If Harvey Z shows up, he's got his face blown off. It's a permanent <laughs> scar to him. And it's frustrating and yet cool as hell. The fact that, like, that's that's a part of who that character was and what he's been through. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I, I can't. And I will say, the multiplayer, the fact that it's a tactical RPG that has a nice multiplayer feel to it and aesthetically i like the paper cutout it's unique in a way as well Mm -hmm. like it's just overall that like the multiplayer playing with you this year was a huge part of why like it is game of the year it's not just a good one player game although the game plays perfectly fine solo but i do enjoy that as well of it yeah and and this this is the the number one multiplayer game for me like Mm mm-hmm that my my game of the year is also multiplayer and it was good for different reasons but like this one like being able to do xcom strategically sort of gameplay with someone and like the game is set up to do it like this year we uh we used parsec to play xcom 2 with uh professor q and slim oh yeah <laughs> and like that was fun but like it was we were using a different program so we could use multiplayer in XCOM 2. Like, it wasn't set up that way. Wildermyth, mm-hmm. from the ground up, like, it includes co-op. Like, you can 
have uh, i think up to five people playing um you could have and the nice thing like parsec we had to be like oh it's your turn you control the mouse now kind of thing Mm -hmm. in this one you can preset like who can touch which characters and so there's no accidental oh i move for you or something right exactly yeah so smart yeah so yeah it, it was a lot of fun i really enjoy this game all and you know all these games at some point or another were like Game of the Year contenders for me. Wildermyth, Persona 5 Strikers, Inscription, Ratchet and Clank. Like all of them to various degrees, like over the course of this year, I was like, yeah, you know, they might actually be my number one game. Wildermyth just came along. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It was the the, my game of the year. um, I can guess it now. (laughs) Can you? I think so, 100%, because it's all you've sort of played, I think, in the last 30 days. Uh, yeah, I mean... it's so, You can go for it. You, you, I can you go t- for it? Yeah, okay. it's the manatees. <laughs> all right, so my game of the year, and it's it's sort of an extension of the whole thing, but also specifically this expansion that just came out. I can kind of say my game my game of the year for technical purposes like to make everything sure everything is 2021 my F- final fantasy and walker or final fantasy 14 and walker is my game of the year but like it's also sort of a summary of final fantasy 14 as a whole because i started it in july i started from the very beginning and i played through an entire mmo's worth of story i finished all in one year i didn't all, all in one year yeah oh yeah i i've put I think I think my play counter before Endwalker was at 21 days worth of playtime. Uh-huh. I have marathoned an MMO, which is something I never thought I would do. I got through everything that was released with like a day to spare of Endwalker's initial release date. They delayed it two weeks. It came out at the beginning of December instead of middle of November. Um, but I hit my goal of finishing everything before Endwalker came out so I could play Endwalker on time with the community and Endwalker, Jesus, it's so good. Like I can probably, I'll probably do a podcast breaking down all of Final Fantasy Mm 14 sometime in the future, like go through like the entire thing. Because I'd uh, love to hear the story of like, yeah. I like hearing these like stories of games that I'm not going to play. So like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I can more. do that. I can do do a little bit of a, like a Kingdom Heartsy type deep dive of, of everything that happens in Final Fantasy fourteen. But Endwalker specifically, man, it's so it's designed as the conclusion to the saga of the first 10 years. Like this, this is like a conclusion and then new obviously the mmo is not ending and a new stuff is going to keep going and there's going to be a new like 10 year saga according to the the director um but this is like the end of one specific storyline that they've sort of been building up and they nailed it like it's hard to really go into detail but like the themes of endwalker have to do with like nihilism and the thought of like death and what happens after death and the like the pointlessness of existence all these sorts of like like death and like what happens with death is like a big theme in endwalker Uh and it just hit on so many levels like there's a character that sends this so this is like major spoilers um Mm -hmm. so if for some reason you're planning on playing 21 days worth of an mmo and have never started or you have played a lot of final fantasy 14 and haven't finished endwalker yet spoiler beware but there's a character that basically creates an uh an entity like they they it's not a uh uh, it does, it's not a human, but it's not quite a robot. It's sort of like a familiar, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. And he, the, this familiar is split up into a whole bunch of different bodies, and he sends them out into space. And he, uh, he tells them to go find other worlds 
and figure out what their purpose of life is, you know, like see what happens and, and why they are living and, and what they, what's the meaning of life basically is what he sends out this, this entity, this familiar to find out. And the big reveal is all the entity finds is like broken civilizations that have, you know, risen and fallen and that like the common recurring theme is that like everything they find has been destroyed and it's nothing but hopelessness out there and the po they can't find a point to life and everything like what's the point of you know a civilization and living if all it's going to do is just fade away over time and like these are real deep yeah honest questions and like it was just profound and moving and on top of that it's like a conclusion to a story you know like it was just it's hard to put into words honestly but i i cried several times while i was playing this game there were some like fantastic fuck yeah moments like all the characters were done so well um everyone that you expected to get good story arcs got good story arcs even a character that everyone hated had a real cool moment you know so it's just it was a perfect end to this thing that i started doing in july you know like six months of my life has been final fantasy 14 and it led to this conclusion that was just everything that it could have been like it would have sucked if you know i'd played through all of that and then it like fucked up the ending mm -hmm. but um it, yeah, yeah no yeah, it nailed it. It was it was good, and I uh yeah that that's my game of the year. Um, a question, like, is this? It seems like when you've talked about Final Fantasy in the past, you've talked about like your experiences with Final Fantasy VII and how much it kind of meant to you and stuff. Mm -hmm. And is this sort of like not comparing the two, but like similar feelings? Because I don't think you've talked about other Final Fantasy games this way. It's different, I think. Uh -huh. Like. It's hard for me to even compare anything else to this, you know, because like mm -hmm. in in the way that like it's hard to compare a two hour movie to a TV show that goes on for like 10 seasons. Uh huh. It's yeah. really hard to compare like Final Fantasy seven, which is like a 30 to 40 hour game to an MMO that, you know, has 20 plus days worth of content when you say days worth of not just like grinding grinding doing the same but like storyline stuff i mean because like this is where i'm like you're describing stuff where you're saying multi like this is where i feel like an in-depth episode on this game would be cool because i'm just like how do you like mmos i think of like rune quest or everquest and it's like one character and it's like how do you tell a story through an mmo do you inherently need other people and stuff or but you're saying that there's characters throughout and it sounds cool i will say that but yeah yeah like there like is i can't i wish this was a game that i could watch you play if that makes sense yeah no i i i understand that and like there are definite like grindy things to it but the main story is not one of those things. Like mm -hmm. there are a lot of MMO trappings and like that content is there for people who like the MMOs and like doing that sort of like daily, like I've got 12 daily quests to do today. So I'm going to log in and do them, you know, that sort of thing. Those are there, mm -hmm. but you can also just mainline the story and just do that. You get plenty of experience through the main story quests. You don't need to like go off and kill 12 ants just to, you know, level up so you can get to the next quest. And there's it's designed in a way that people who just want to play for the story can just play for the story and people who want to do all the MMO stuff can also do that. Interesting. Uh, and yeah. Like the hardest part for me is that like there's so much content and like the first 50 hours are the low point. Like it's one of those, it's like a slow burn where you get started and then it just takes off and gets better and better with every expansion. But like mm -hmm. the base content is dire. 
but like you need to play it for like the context of everything else that's so awesome so it's just how many expansions are there um endwalker is the fourth expansion there's uh-huh. the base game which is called the realm reborn uh, and then there's heaven's word is the first expansion stormblood is the second shadowbringers is the third and endwalker is the fourth they're averaging an expansion every two years basically and it's a all a content a continuous story yep yep wow yeah it, it's it's honestly amazing like it's it's a great triumph in storytelling just by itself uh the music is fantastic like the composer outdoes himself every time mm-hmm. um oh god i wish it was easier to consume i know mmos aren't for everyone and the fact of the matter is if COVID didn't exist, if I wasn't working from home and had the opportunity to sort of like dink around for like a couple hours while I'm on the clock every day, <laughs> I don't think I would be able to play this because like it would just take up too much time to catch up on like if you're playing for like two hours every night or like mm-hmm. every other night, like it would... you it'd be hard to actually get through all the content. All right. Well, that's, uh, that's the manatees for 2021. Uh, this is probably going to be the last podcast of the year. No codas, no weird new year's Z type stuff. Cause I, I was a little backed up, but I'm hoping to get this one out as the, the end of the year special. Okay. So, Next time you hear from us, it'll be in 2022. The future, baby. <laughs> yeah. Can you believe 2021's over already? It like there's those stupid memes where it's like I'm still getting over 2019, and I I do feel like that. I feel that's why I like the movies. All of everything was supposed to be like, oh, it's coming out next year, next year, because I'm like still on a 2020 mindset. Yeah. It's it's the, like 2021 felt like 2020 part two. Yeah, like it was just a repeat or a rehashing almost of it in a way. Like, yeah, it's it's been a weird two years now. This, the pantsless episodes, as I like to call it, of our podcast, <laughs> the pantsless saga. Yeah, <laughs> well, I'm wearing pants this time, so I don't think I've worn pants since like maybe a handful of times in the pantsless saga. <laughs> I'm ending the year in pants. Ah. Uh. I'm looking forward to 2022 where there will be more pants in my future. Maybe. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> All right. Where can they find you, Harvey Z? You can find me on Twitter at Make Me a Harvey Z. You can find me on Twitter at Atma underscore Phoenix. You can find our podcast at Make Me a Podcast. You can always email us at Make Me a Gamer Podcast at gmail.com. And you can find our writings at atmosweapon.com i said our but they're mine i was about to say like you're giving me some (laughs) nice credit there i appreciate it but i was gonna give it right back this is all you (laughs) all right um that's it have a happy new year be safe don't let omicron get you (laughs) uh now i'm like oh like the naughtier nice song i'm like checking it anyway yeah yeah. Be safe, guys. And I'll throw this back to you, actually, because I made this stupid suggestion a long time ago now. But because this made game of the year and you've beaten this game and you've now that even you've told me what the storyline is for it, I really, really recommend for you on Netflix Final Fantasy 14 Dad of Light. Dad of Light. OK, I will like I just looked it up online. I didn't realize it's based on a true story. Oh, and it, it's, it, I didn't realize because I was like, this came out years ago. It's Final Fantasy fourteen. I think because, again, spoilers, half of the game takes place in the MMO world. You probably know all those sequences and stuff that they will show. Yeah. So you might like it for just the nostalgia aspect. But for reals, that story is actually pretty good, too. Like, it's totally worth it. Now knowing it's real, even more so. It's a good, cheesy, weird Korean drama. It's on right. Netflix apparently still. So it's my I, I will, I will try to check it out. I'm not sure I can convince my girlfriend to watch it with me, so I'm going to have to do it when she's not Did she watch the, the Final Fantasy stuff with you? Oh, no, no. This <laughs> is Final Fantasy I've been playing on my PC, so. 
Ah, uh, it's not a it's not a couch game for me. Hi, because it's eight episodes. I mean, just, it's it's good. It 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 surprisingly has a good amount of heart. And now with you playing Final Fantasy fourteen, I think you'll see. Apparently, there's relations to like that story. I'm like, oh, I can see where they're going with this even, or why this might have worked. Anyway, yeah, cool. All right, well, that's it from us. Uh, yeah, see you in 2022 then. Alrighty. Peace. Adios, Helldivers. <laughs> Helldiverinos. Helldiverinos. Oh, I screwed it up. I should have known better. Uh, often imitated. I don't know. Never. <laughs> I was going to go, never constipated, baby. But that, that, no. Often imitated, I... never constipated. All I right. need, okay. I should have, this is why we don't improvise. <laughs>